Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15 is where we're going to be. We're, at, we're not in a series currently. Uh, we're in between series. And for a couple of weeks, we're going to do some standalone sermons, uh, looking at some various topics. And so, so today, we're in 1 Corinthians 15, and we're looking at this issue is, what is a follower of Christ? fact is, that's the title of the message is, is a, a, follower, a follower of Christ. What does that mean? I mean, there's a lot of people that like use the term Christian. And uh, they'll, they'll say, you know what, I'm a Christian. And the problem with the word Christian is it's so broadly defined. It's been redefined, undefined, redefined again. Uh, it's been broad in terms to where Christian can mean almost anything, uh, to where it's, 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 uh, it's a follower of Christ all the way up to just anybody that, that believes in God uh, because anybody that believes in God goes to heaven because all dogs go to heaven. So if you just believe in God, you're a Christian and that's good. And so when you start looking at this issue of, of Christianity in America, we have to sometimes discuss and look at what does it really mean to be a follower of Christ. So here's the crazy thing about that word Christian. Only three times in the New Testament does the word Christian even appear. The fact is, it's a, it's a term that is never used by Jesus' followers. It was a term that was never used by even Jesus. And fact is, Jesus' followers, the people that followed Jesus, used a different term to define themselves fact is, Jesus used a different term that defined those that were following him. fact is, the only people, if you read the New Testament, you read through there and just look for the word Christian, the people that were using that word Christian were people outside of the group, and it was a derogatory term. It was making fun of Christ's followers. fact is, it meant this. It meant little Christ. And it was using a derogatory term, wannabe, a little Christ, and all of those other things. And so, so when you look at this word Christian, you realize that it wasn't really used by Jesus. It wasn't really used by those that were, were following him. There was a different term that Jesus used. There was a different term that his followers used. And this term is found in the New Testament over 256 times. And this term that Jesus used and his followers used was not broadly defined. It was not something that you could, you could redefine or undefine. It was not something that was vague. Fact is, it was kind of a scary term. It was kind of a scary term into the discipline that it required. And so this word that Jesus used and his, and his followers used was the word disciple. And 256 times this word appears in the New Testament. Fact is, Jesus said this. Jesus says, the way that people will know you are mine... The way that people will know that you're my disciple is the way that you love one another. The way that you talk about one another, the way that you speak about one another, how you handle your relationships, the way that they're going to know, the way they're going to know that you're mine, that my disciple is the way that you live your life. Fact is, the book of Acts, the book of Acts uses with the birth of the local church, and it said that disciples were being added daily to the church. When I first read that verse in, in Pueblo, Colorado, when we were starting this church, that became like one of, our, one of our prayers, that God, we long to see the day that every day in our ministry, you would add a disciple to our church. A disciple is a learner, is a follower, is a student, is a pupil. A disciple is someone that is looking to someone to give them direction, 
to help them know how to make choices, help them know how to, how to live their life. A disciple is that person that says, before you even tell me how I should live my life, before you even tell me how I should, should handle my relationships, my answer is like, yes, because I'm a follower of Christ, because I'm a disciple. Now, this morning, I, I just three principles, three things I want to give you, three identifying marks, if you will, of someone that is a disciple of Christ or someone that is following Jesus. So the first one is this. Following Jesus is being rightly related to God. Following Jesus, because it starts there. Following Jesus is someone that's rightly related to God. In other words, the life of a Jesus follower is all about relationships. It's all about a relationship to him. And the life of a Jesus follower is lived out over the, in the overflow of the intimacy with God the Father. In other words, this, everything that God desires to do through you will come and he will accomplish out of the overflow of your heart. It will come out of the overflow of your private worship, out of the overflow of your public worship, out of the overflow of your heart. And Jesus said this, Jesus says, the words that come out of your mouth are an indication of what's really going on in your heart. And Jesus, this disciple life, a life of a Jesus follower, is one that is lived out of the overflow of a relationship with him. Following Jesus, listen, following Jesus is about a relationship. It's about an intimate, personal relationship. John 17, 3 says this. And so Jesus is talking and Jesus says, and so this is the bottom line, and this is eternal life, that they know that's an intimate term, that's a personal term, that's to have personal knowledge and that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so what Jesus is saying is the bottom line is this. The bottom line is where you and I are going to spend eternity. And that's what he's saying. He's talking about this issue of eternal life. And Jesus is saying, he says, and you, you, you need to know God and you need to know God in a very personal way, because this word know indicates something very, very personal. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. It is part of, of his story. This is part of his testimony. And he writes these words, verse 3, and he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for your sins in accordance with the Scriptures, big S, it's the Holy Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep, some have passed away. Then he appeared to John, uh, James. Then he appeared to all the, uh, all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Verse 9, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle. Why? Because there's some regret in Paul's life. Watch this. Because I persecuted the church of God. Now, now just so we're tracking, and, and maybe some of you are new to church, new to the scriptures, before Paul became a, a believer, before Paul became a follower of Christ, Paul persecuted the church. His name was Saul at that time. And so Paul was persecuting the church. He wasn't destroying the church. He wasn't burning the church down. He wasn't doing any of that. Paul was persecuting people who went to church. And Jesus showed up on the Damascus Road, and Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul immediately said, immediately said who are you, Lord? 
In other words, Lord, I don't get this. I wasn't persecuting you. I was persecuting some people. And Jesus is like, you don't understand. When you become an accuser of the brethren, when you attack people where the Holy Spirit resides in them, Paul, I just want you to understand, you're, you're attacking me. And watch this. I mean, Paul's testimony is huge. Verse 10, but by the grace of God, even though I opposed God, even though I opposed his work, even though I opposed what he was doing, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that it was with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so, so we believe. We preach and we believe. We preach and we believe and we have intimate knowledge. We have a relationship with Christ. In other words, what Paul is helping us to understand is God is inviting us into a personal relationship with him that will last eternity. And so you have to ask yourself, or, you know, what is a relationship? Or maybe, maybe in a different way, what, what is marriage? What, what makes a marriage? It, is marriage, uh, is marriage buying a house together? Is it opening a joint checking account together? Is it, is it, uh, is it raising kids together? Is it pl uh, planning retirement together? Uh, is it, is it just sharing a meal together? N no, marriage is like this love relationship, a commitment between a man and between a woman. Because if it's not there, if that relationship was there, then all of these other things don't make sense, right? I mean, you, you don't walk up to a stranger in the mall and says, hey, you don't buy a house together? <laughs> hey, you, you want to open up a, a, a joint checking account together? <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't go to the neighbor's house, right, that you don't have a relationship with and walk in their house about dinner time and say, hey, what's for dinner? <laughs> See, all of those activities, all of those motions, all of those activities do not make sense without a love relationship. And being a disciple, being a follower of Christ, is not just going through the motions. It's not just going through a bunch of religious activities. Because none of those religious activities and none of those motions will even make sense without a love relationship with Jesus Christ. And to be rightly related to God. It's this love relationship that He provides for us. And it's in that context that gives worship and reading scripture and all the other things in prayer. It's what gives it meaning. Listen, I don't come to church and hopefully you don't come to church hoping that the man upstairs accepts me at the end of my life and that I've done more good things than bad things and, and, he just, and I'm not going to find out to the end of my life if he's going to let me in. Listen, let me tell you something. You cannot do enough good things to earn your way into heaven. None of it. That's what Paul's, Paul said. Wait a minute. Man, I was persecuting the church. I was persecuting a group of people that Christ died for. And his grace for me was not in vain. Because I accepted him. And I, came, it, and I came into a relationship with him. And he forgave me. Listen, I come to church... Because I know God and I have a personal relationship with God. And this is the place where the people of God meet and worship him. And together we're like this 
family that he has knitted together and we are maturing and we are growing and we're doing life together and we're getting to see life change that is happening just right before our eyes. It's just unbelievable what God is doing. And, and, and the more I grow, the deeper my intimacy comes with Christ. And I get to worship God in the context of a community of believers that worships alongside of me. The first thing about being a disciple is being rightly related to God to where you know that you've been forgiven. You know that you know that you know. You don't have to wait to the end of your life to know that you can enter into that relationship with him. The second thing is this. Following Jesus is to be rightly related with the church. Uh, I mean, you, you look at the book of, of Genesis, and it's, it's amazing what you see that, that God created from the very beginning. And that God created us. The story of, 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 of creation. He created us to be in relationships. He created us to be in a relationship with him. That's why you've got to fight against it. Uh, he, and, and that's why you're drawn towards him. Because he has created us to be in a relationship with him. And then he's created us to be in a relationship with one another. In the creation story, creation, God said, and God created, and God created light. And God says, you know what, that is good. And then, then God created land, and, and God created water. And he said, that was good. And then God created trees, and God created plants. And he said, that was good. And then he, then he created the stars, and he created the planets. And he said, that was good. And then God created the animals, and he said, that was good. And so we're like on this roll of stuff that he's creating and stuff that is good. And then all of a sudden, in Genesis 2.18, we come to the first thing that God said is not good. Watch this. In Genesis 2.18, it gives us a hint into that we were created for relationships. We were created for a relationship with him, and we were created for a relationship with one another in the context of a family, in a context of church. In verse 18, Genesis 2.18, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that, that the man shall be alone. So loneliness is not good. You were not created for loneliness. And we basically know that, right? Because there are some people that have done some things that they knew they would pay horrible consequences for just so they wouldn't be alone for an hour, for an evening, for a night, because they just couldn't take it anymore. There's something about loneliness. God did not create, God, God created us for relationships. That's why Psalm says, Psalm says this. Psalm says this, that God has taken the lonely, God has taken the orphan, and he's entered into a relationship with them, and he has placed them into a family. He has placed them into a church. He has placed them into a body of believers to where there's a, with a family. And so you look at this passage and you realize that God's intent was for us to be in a relationship with him and us to be in a relationship with others. And, and so there's a lot of people that, you know, we, we start talking about pi, uh, private and public. And there's some say, well, well wait a minute, you, you don't understand. My relationship with God, that's private. Because we were, we were taught, right? Maybe, I know we were in Texas and maybe you were in Colorado. But I was taught from an early age, there's two things, Charlie. Two things you never talk about in public. Never talk about religion 
and never talk about politics. You just never talk about that. That religion stuff, that's off limits. That's just, that's just like private. Listen, God does not intend for our relationship with him to be totally private. Yes, our relationship with him is intimate. It's personal. Out of the overflow of life journaling, I don't share everything that's, that's in my life journaling. Some of it is intimate. Some of it is private. Some of it is just for me. Some of it is just for me and God. It's just between me and God. But God does intend for our relationship with him to be intimate and personal, but also private. God, listen, but also public. God created us to live in community with other believers, to live in community with other believers, to grow and mature. I mean, why the church? I mean, why, why the church? And when you look at the church, and I look back over my 30-plus church years, I'll never know God the way that I'm supposed to know him. Apart from engaging in fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but uh, sometimes I'm, I'm, uh, I'm out in, in, in public and, and I'll meet someone um, who's not a believer, uh, someone who doesn't go to church. And so I'll look at them and, and I'll invite them to church. And I'll say a question or something like that and, and, um, and ask them, say, hey, are you a part of a church? And a lot of times, I mean, this never happened in, in, in this really never happened in, Colo in Texas like it happens in Colorado, and mainly because of the beauty in Colorado. Uh, but uh, some people, you'll invite them to church and they'll look at me and they'll say, oh, you don't understand. My church, my church is the mountains. I mean, my church is hiking. My church is the river. My church is, had a guy tell me recently, you know what? My church is the golf course. I'm like, you've got a frustrating church. You need to change churches. <laughs> That's all it gives me of it. I mean, here while back, here we go. Uh, just going to give you a warning. Somebody flinched. I'm telling you, it's not my fault. Here a while back, you know, uh, here, I'm, I'm, I'm playing golf, and uh, someone joined our group who I'd never met. And so, so, you know, we get to the place where, you know, if, if you don't golf, then let me just tell you. So sometime, some, some point, like before the turn, it, it's getting to the point, hey, what do you do? Hey, what do you do? Hey, what, and that's, that's always fun for me. And so, uh, so a guy goes, looks at me, and says, what do you do? I'm a, I'm a pastor. He goes, oh. Oh, you're one of those. And so I'm like, yeah. And so, so we teed off. And I didn't hit a really long drive. And so he, like, hit a really long drive. And so we're in a, we're in a, uh, and so he makes a comment. He makes a derogatory comment uh, about my drive versus his drive. And so... And then I says, okay. And so then right after that, he like melted down. And I mean, he got like an eight, which is horrible. And so I looked at him and says, I'm telling you, God is not happy with you right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a rough round for him. The He was like, I've never played this bad. I says, you know what? You need to come to church. <laughs> and, but but, but here, here's where I was headed with that is uh, 
is you meet people and they'll tell you things like, you know what, my church is in creation because I just, I sense God. I just sense God. Now listen, if you think about that statement, that's the most illogical statement anybody could ever make. Because you know what they're telling you? They are telling you, I can know God just by observing Him. I can know God just by observing His creation. See, theologians would say this is the difference between the general revelation of God, which is out in creation, and the personal or specific revelation of God when He reveals Himself to you personally. And so what that individual is telling you is this. They're telling you that my church is in creation. And as a result, the way I get to know God, by observing Him. Listen, let me tell you something. You can't get to know anybody by just observing them, right? You can't get to know me by observing me 30 minutes on the weekend. You can't get to know anybody by just observing. You may know some facts about them. You may know some things about them. You can read a book and you can love that book. But you cannot really know the author by just observing what they've written. The way that you get to know them, the way that you get to know God, is in an intimate relationship. Listen, I observe my wife six months in dating before we married. And I'm still getting to know her. I'm still learning some things about her. And she's still learning some things about me. It's this intimate knowledge. And I'm telling you, church is the place. I've been in church over 30 years. The things that I have learned in church, I've deepened and matured how to handle relationships, how to forgive, how to not gossip, how to not slander, how to understand we're all in this together. We're a family. We may not be perfect, but we're called together. I've learned that I'm accountable. I've learned that there's accountability for words and actions and all those other things. Not to say or do anything that hurts the body, that hurts the family. Because God is using the church, I'm telling you. God is using the church to mature and to grow us scripture after scripture, verse after verse. We learn best in community with one another where there's accountability. Where, where we talk about what God is doing in our heart, what God is doing in our life, what God is doing in, in life journaling. And I get it. I understand there's two reasons, I think, why people don't do that. One is, is because they're not. One is because they're spiritually dry. They're not learning. They're not opening up the scriptures. There's not anything new in their life spiritually. And so that would be embarrassing to them to have that conversation. But then there's another group of people that I think the reason they don't do it is because it's just awkward. They've never done it before. And it's just awkward. Listen, I'm telling you, I have learned more in community with other believers of accountability and people that could speak into my life and I could speak into their life. God has used the church as a family to grow and to mature us. There's also hospitality. Hospitality, see, we think of the, the word hospitality that means that you just have someone over for, for a meal. Hospitality was deeper than that in the New Testament. Hospitality was this, opening up your life. Opening up your life to another and you understand that, that, that you're helping them and they're helping you. There was also corporate spirituality and, and then he goes in, in Ephesians, they start using temple language that, that God likes inhabits the praise of his people. And I'm telling you, a, a man, a man that we baptized Saturday night, unbelievable story. 
this man, his first time to our church was like four weeks ago. And uh, he, he went over into the, the theater and, and took his seat. And the worship started happening. And you understand, everything that we do start to finish on the weekends, that's worship. But in the singing portion, uh, during the singing portion over there in the theater, his words, his words last night, his words was this, in the singing, the presence of God, because God inhabits the praises of his people. He makes himself known. It's the specific, personal revelation of God, different than the general revelation of God. And he says, in worship, the presence, presence of God was so thick in this place that he knew that his life was separated from God. And in his words, in worship, before the preacher preached, he accepted Christ. It's a specific revelation of God. And when he came in to worship and he saw the way in which you worship, in a testimony that you gave, in the presence of God, this man just said, I could not help but just take care of it right then. I, I need a relationship with him. I'm telling you, we got story after story after story. Yes, it's intimate. Yes, it's personal. But it's also, it's also public in, in the public way that we worship. And as Pastor uh, Chad said, in the public way that we live our life in the office, in the community, in schools, in neighborhoods, in every, it's public. We, just real quickly, and, and I got a clock, so don't worry, we're not going to run over. <laughs> we had a lady, a lady by the name of Judy. She's been transferred away. I'll tell you her story just real quickly. Judy came to our church, and there's some things I don't understand. There's some things, you know, Jesus said that if you will lift me up, I'll draw all men to me. And uh, in, in the pastor's reception line, it's unbelievable the stories I've heard. I always ask the question, how, how did you come? How did you come? And, and a lot come uh, by a friend invites them, and that's cool, and that's awesome. Uh, Judy was a little bit different. I had a couple, just real quickly, I had a couple last week that I asked them, hey, what brought you to Fellowship of the Rockies? They're like, you know, it was a Saturday night. We're having supper over there at Burger King. We saw all the cars. We decided to come over and see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> They're now part of our church. Awesome. So if God wants to use a Whopper, that's okay. <laughs> I don't care. And so Judy, Judy calls the church, signs up for the journey. The journey is when you learn what we believe. You have an opportunity to join our church. The journey is like the starting point. And uh, so Judy signs up and she says, talk to Pastor Dwayne, says, I want to come to the journey. And so that's kind of odd. She'd never come to worship service, never come to church. Judy's first opportunity at our church was a journey. So Pastor Dwayne meets her out here and, and at the journey, and she comes in. And so he says, tell me your story. And she says, oh, you don't understand. I, I was raised Mormon. And um, now that I'm adult, I look back on my Mormon life, and it was just so legalistic. And, and I realized that I, I didn't believe Jesus was God and all of those other things and the deity of Christ. And there was this drawing. And I, I just had to come. And I don't know why. And so she goes through the journey. She accepts Christ in the journey before she ever makes it in here. And so the next step 
she says, is baptism. Because my baptism, I didn't, I didn't understand. I, I wasn't a believer. In the midst of scheduling Judy's baptism, uh, she, Judy gets transferred to California. And so Pastor DeWayne found out where she's being transferred to. He calls some churches, interviews some churches on her behalf, um, talks to a pastor. When Judy got there, the pastor went and visited her. And this last week, we got an email from Judy and her new pastor that says, I want you guys to know this last weekend, I just follow the Lord and believers baptism. And see, it's not about fellowship, the Rockies. It's about the kingdom. It's much bigger. And so God has taken his church and he has died for the church. It's the, we're the bride of Christ. The world should be able to look into our lives and they should be able to look into the church and say, that's the kingdom of God. That's how relationships are handled. That's how forgiveness is given. That's how we talk about one another. Because we understand there's accountability. We understand about this issue of the church. We understand that eternity is at stake for our community and for others because it's through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, that he reaches a community. The third and the last thing about following Jesus is this. You're rightly related to, to God. You're rightly related to the church. And you're rightly related to the world. In other words, we are on mission. In other words, this, that Jesus has this engaging relationship with the world. And he, I mean, Matthew chapter 9, it says that Jesus was like a friend of the sinners. And so, listen, let me tell you something. The religious people hated Jesus because Jesus didn't fit into their religious box and Jesus, and, and they didn't fit into his box. And religious people were totally uncomfortable with him. You know who was comfortable with Jesus? Sinners. Sinners would travel great distances just to come to hear him speak because of his love and because of his forgiveness and because of his acceptance. And, and Jesus says this about Jesus follows John 17, 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them believers, disciples. I have sent them into the world. I mean, once we come into relationship with him and we have a relationship with the church, we, we now have a relationship with the world. And everywhere we go, we are on mission. Last night, we baptized this lady, Tamra. And Tamra came to our church. There was a, there was a veteran through our veterans ministry. One of our veterans has an, had an appointment. And Tamra waited on him. And he looked into her eyes and he could tell something was wrong. And he says, are you okay? And, and she opened up and she says, I'm, I'm a veteran. I did two tours in, in Afghanistan. I'm now in the reserves and I'm going through a tough time. And so he invites her to our church. He invites her to the, 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 uh, the veterans ministry. She accepts Christ. And last night we baptized her and she brought her friends. And we're in the process of getting her involved in our veterans ministry because the way that we grow is in community so other uh, veterans can get around her and mentor her and develop her. And so when we understand that being a disciple of Christ is rightly related to God, is rightly related to church, and is rightly related to the world. Because what Paul tells us is this, we are ambassadors of Christ. We are representatives of him. And that's why it's so important the way that we handle our life, because we represent him. Unbelievable thing about God and about this issue is this. 
all of us like to be chosen, right? Don't we like to be chosen for things? And, and we don't want to be chosen last either, right? I mean, we want to be chosen. We want to know that we've been chosen. And I mean, even when I talk about this, this kind of brings up some, some memories of, of childhood, of, of elementary school. Remember at elementary school in recess when, you know, and I hate kickball. I still hate it to this day. And remember, you'd get a pickup game of, 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 of kickball. And so the coach or whoever, the PE teacher, would select two people to be the captain. Remember those days and you'd line up and the captains are out here and they're picking people? Even though I hated kickball, I'm like, don't pick me last. Please don't pick me last. I don't want to be picked last. I still remember the time. It was down to me and someone else. And so we're standing there. And so the captain, who is, it's his time to choose, he's looking at me, looking at them, looks back at me, kind of disgusted, and he looks at them. I'm like, Lord, don't let me be picked last. He looks at me, and he goes, oh, okay, we'll take Charlie. You guys can have the girl. I was so embarrassed. None of us like to be chosen last. But can I tell you this? What God says about you and me? He chose you first. Before the creation of the world. Before he said, let there be light. Before he hung the stars. Formed the planets. The trees. The animals. He said, I have chosen you before the creation of the world to come into a relationship with me. And all we have to do is accept and become a follower of Christ. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me ask you this morning, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you as a result of his word? And maybe more importantly, what is, what is your next step? Maybe, maybe this morning you just need to hear that he's already chosen you. He chose you before the creation of the world. And you just have to respond to him. There's no magic words. But you just respond to him. And say, Lord, I ask you just to come into my life, forgive me my sins. I just want a relationship with you. I know that you are God and I know that you died for my sins. And Lord, I'm asking you to come into a relationship with me. And to the very best of my ability, I'm going to become a follower of Christ. And I'm going to be rightly related to you. And I'm going to be rightly related to the church. And I'm going to be rightly related to the world. And I'm going to talk to my friends and people around me that don't know you. Maybe that's your first step. Maybe you've already made that step. What is your next step? What is your next step? Maybe you'd say, you know what, I, I just need prayer. I got this prayer request, I got this thing that I'm dealing with, and I, I just need someone to pray for me. And God is here and God is with us. This is when we minister, this is, what the, this is when the church ministers to one another that is willing to pray and willing to lift burdens. And, and you may have a prayer request. And it may have to do with what I just talked about. 
it may not have anything to do with what I just talked and that's okay too but if you need prayer in any area of your life after I pray we're going to stand and when we stand if you need prayer you just step up stand up step out begin making your way down to the front we'll guide you down here you, you don't have to be a member of the church this doesn't even make you a member this is about this is about ministry so if you need prayer after I pray we stand you come Father we thank you for today Father we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace Father we thank you for the power of your name Father we ask that you just draw this church very closely to you we realize we're a family and that we're in this together and if people would respond to you and burdens would be lifted prayers would be answered people would find comfort encouragement and support this day may they walk out different than how they came in because they've met with you father we look forward to see what you're going to do for we've asked these things in jesus name amen